What up and welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for joining me here today on this Friday, on this somewhat surprise edition of The Challenge Historian. Last week, we left off with the end of our World Championships recaps and coverage, saying we might be away for a little bit during the offseason, but no. We then decided after the fact that, hey, that's no what, what historian takes the offseason off. That's where we make our bread and butter. That is where we get the job done of actually filling in the history books and talking about the past and all the fun little debates and things like that. So I'm coming back to you today, and hopefully we're going to do our best to come back to you every single week on Fridays with some sort of episode. Who knows what the topics will be? Who knows if it'll always just be me or maybe I'll get a friend or two from out in the challenge universe to come join me to talk about a specific subject or topic or cast member or anything like that. But I'm going to try my best to be here every single Friday. So this one is here to kick it off because it was a big day in challenge history yesterday and we realized we absolutely have to talk about it. Now, it isn't the actual full topic of this episode, but it was kind of the impetus of, hey, uh, why don't that episode you thought you were going to work on maybe release next week? Let's get to it. Let's put it out now. That big momentous occasion was the 25th anniversary of the challenge. 25 years later, 1998 to 2023. Now, however, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that the good folks over at Challenge Stats, as always, at Challenge Stats, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else that they can be found, at Challenge Stats, the official record, like I'm the record book as far as opinions go, they are the record books as far as stats and data go when it comes to the world of the challenge, and as always, they're correct, and sometimes the actual show itself is wrong. The official challenge account, all of the cast members, everyone, fandom everyone jumped on board with yesterday june 1st 25th anniversary of the debut of road rules all-stars aka the challenge season one retroactively but that isn't as challenge challenge stats great twitter thread go check it out points out that that definitely isn't the day that this season or that season that episode in this franchise debuted um it's in the ballpark it's it's around this time of the year but it isn't that exact day so uh, i didn't feel bad about not having a podcast yesterday because it wasn't actually truly the 25th anniversary but it was very very close and so we still celebrate with all of those others who do and how can 25 years how amazing is that 25 years i was eight years old when this show debuted that just turned eight years old and it's been with us my entire life, my entire life. I don't really remember all that much that happened between the years of zero and seven. So it's been with me literally my whole life. It has been one of the greatest joys of my life to watch it, consume it, talk about it nowadays with you all. So thank you, as always, to every cast member, every producer, every showrunner, every executive, mostly the cast members, but those other people too, everyone who's ever been involved with putting this show in front of us. I thank you. The whole audience thanks you. The whole fandom thanks you. We love you and appreciate you so, so much. But today, 25th anniversary is not exactly what we're here to talk about. We are talking history, and we are talking something that is very near and dear to my heart in a conversation that happens all the time in challenge fandom as well as in all, pretty much every pop culture realm does this conversation, and I think every single one of them does it wrong especially the challenge one, because we should be better. We should be the ones that actually do this conversation the right way. What conversation, you ask, am I talking about? 
I'm talking about Mount Rushmore's, okay? We all talk about them. It gets thrown out all the time. Who's your Mount Rushmore? Who's your Mount Rushmore? Who's your male-only Mount Rushmore? Who's your female-only Mount Rushmore? We do it in the challenge ad nauseum, and we do it all across pop culture. In sports, it happens all the time. In movies, it happens all the time. TV shows, I'm, we're just coming off. I'm a big, big succession fan, and now that just ended, and that's does it make the Mount Rushmore for you, for everyone, whatever. Mount Rushmore is used all the time. It's a nice little trope. And it infuriates me because we're using it wrong. We're having the wrong discussion. So that's what we're here to do today, to name the actual Challenge Mount Rushmore. Not only name who is the Challenge Mount Rushmore, but what the Challenge Mount Rushmore and Mount Rushmore in general should mean. So there's going to be a little challenge history. There's going to be an actual little bit of U.S. history out of nowhere. Um, And yeah. We're going we're gonna to lock this one in once and for all. We're going to go in deep on it. So that's the goal for today. In future weeks, as always, I have no idea what I'm going to do next week. Literally next week, I have no idea. I've just committed that I want to do one of these every week on Fridays. They will be released. So DM me at Challenge Historian on Instagram. Leave a comment on the YouTube video if you're watching over there. DM me on Twitter. I probably won't respond. Um, Instagram is by far the best place. But get in touch if there's a topic, a debate, a list, something of that nature that you would love to see covered. I'll do it. I'll happily do it. Best ideas will win out. You're probably going to have better ones than me. You're also possibly just going to have ones when I don't. And so it's a win-win for both of us. You'll get shows that you actually want to listen to, and I'll get some nice topic generation from you, the listeners. So hit me up if you've got an idea. Otherwise, every Friday, be ready for something during this offseason, some sort of breakdown, some sort of historical look back at something until we can eventually get back to doing that full-blown rewatch series. So with that, let's dive in. Mount Rushmore and the challenge Mount Rushmore. Here we go. Now, one thing I did fail to mention in that always too long introduction is I do have a co-host today. For one, not the first time ever, but it, it's pretty rare that it happens. And uh, that co-host you may or may not hear from today, that co-host's name is Bodie. He's the best little puppy in the whole wide world. And if you're watching on YouTube, you may see him screwing around in the back background here at some point. And if you're listening or watching, you may very well hear some little yelps or barks or anything in the background because it's uh, kind of his, as we've been calling them, his uh, gremlin hours uh, between 5 and 9 p.m. He likes to get all of his energy out at once. And, uh, you know, it's just me and him for the evening, no wife around. So he is co-hosting if you hear anything in the background. That's just our little guy having some fun. If you hear uh, a, ma- a man uh, yelp in mild pain, that's probably me with my toe getting bit by said little puppy. So uh, he may join, he may not, but he's going to be here, and he'll probably be here on all the future recordings, and he's the best little puppy in the whole wide world, and the cutest thing in the whole wide world, too. Uh, if you want to see some photos of that, check the Instagram, and then go to the personal Instagram from the main Instagram. You get what I'm saying. Anyways, let's get to it. We're here to talk about Mount Rushmore's. Now, before we can talk about the challenge Mount Rushmore, we've got to get to my real... This you know this this thing that just sticks in the side of me. I just can't get over it. We got to talk about Mount Rushmores in general and how we use the term Mount Rushmore in popular culture and specifically within the challenge, but in general in pop culture because this is not a challenge only thing. Here's the deal: we use Mount Rushmore, and by we I mean I do it, you do it, everyone across pop culture does it. We use Mount Rushmore slang for who are your top four. 
That's what we use it for. When we say, who's your Mount Rushmore, we're asking who's the four greatest of all time. For some reason, we've decided that top five lifts are boring, and at some point, we were like, it's way more fun to do a top four, and instead of calling it a top four, we'll call it a Mount Rushmore. Who's the four? But here's the thing about that. The actual Mount Rushmore isn't the four best presidents ever. It wasn't made to be declaring, these are the four best presidents we've ever had. We're going to enshrine them. No, it wasn't that at all. So the analogy technically doesn't work. We're all using a false analogy all across pop culture when we say who's your Mount Rushmore and we actually just mean who's the four best ever. That's false. That's incorrect. That analogy does not work. I totally understand why it's become that easy shorthand for top four. It's kind of fun, but I just reject it at completely, completely reject it. I think it should be its own kind of question. Because, yeah, top four is fun. But if you want to say top four, just say either who's the four best ever or the five best ever. Why not just do the nice round? I guess not. They're both round. Up. I don't know. You can get what I'm saying. Just do top five or say the four best ever or the three best ever or the two best ever or who's the best ever and name five names or four names, whatever. But say best ever. Because I think Mount Rushmore should be its own question because it's actually a really, really, really fun and interesting question to ask for things like the challenge. So if you actually use the analogy that is true to Mount Rushmore, you get this fun thought experiment for the challenge, anything else you'd want to rank in pop culture. So what is the real Mount Rushmore? Quick history lesson on what the real Mount Rushmore actually is. It was designed and initially built by a man whose name I am not going to pronounce correctly, so a uh, bad job by this historian, but I'm going to give it a shot. Gutson Borglum. Gutson Borglum. That's what we're going to go with. Gutson, uh, he and his son, whose name I didn't write down, but I believe was Nathan, eventually finished it. It started with an N. Maybe it was Nathan. Maybe it wasn't. But the Borglum father-son duo. Father designed it, started building it. Son helped in the end when the father passed before the last carving was finished. He selected four presidents because from his perspective, they represented the most important events in the history of the United States. They did not represent the four best presidents, the four best leaders, anything like that. They Part of that is kind of true because, you know, that answer kind of fits the same bill, but he selected the most important, the people that represented the most important events in the history of the United States. Now, those four people are as follows. Here's your real deep dive history lesson for you. George Washington, our first ever president. He was around 1932, or 19, 1732, 1799. Washington led the colonists in the American Revolutionary War to win independence from Great Britain. He was the father of the new country, laid the foundation of American democracy. Because of his importance, Borglum chose Washington to be the most prominent figure on the mountain and represent the birth of the United States. I did not write this. Obviously, I'm reading this off of the Mount Rushmore website right now. So that's George Washington. He was the first and the most prominent, represents the birth of the country. Thomas Jefferson's the second person on it. He was the third president ever, 1743, 1826. Jefferson was the primary author of the Declaration of Independence, a document which inspires democracies around the world. He also purchased the Louisiana Territory from France in 1803, which doubled the size of our country, adding all or part of 15 present-day states. Gutsum Borglum chose Jefferson to represent the growth of the United States. Third person was Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore himself, 26th president. Roosevelt provided leadership when America experienced rapid economic growth as it entered the 20th century. He was instrumental in negotiating the construction of the Panama Canal. Shout out Chicago history. That's for another day. But if you ever come to Chicago, look me up. I'll take you on a tour, tell you all about the Panama Canal and why Chicago matters in that. That was a tangent of this already kind of historical tangent, linking the East and the West. He was known as the trust buster for his work to end large corporate monopolies, ensure the rights of the common working man. Borglum chose 
Roosevelt to represent the development of the United States. And the fourth and final person on Mount Rushmore is Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president. Lincoln held the nation together during its greatest trial, the Civil War. Lincoln believed his most sacred duty was the preservation of the Union. It was his firm conviction that slavery must be abolished. Gutson Borglum chose Lincoln to represent the preservation of the United States. So we've got four people who represent to the creator of this thing the most important events in the history of the U.S. They represent the birth, the growth, the development, and the preservation of our country. That is why they are on Mount Rushmore. They are not necessarily the best ever. So with that, more history before we go on, because I wrote it down. So you're going to hear it. The birth of the idea was between 1923 and 1925, around that two-year period when he had the idea. And so that was around the time of the 30th president. So out of those 30-ish that he considered when he came up with this idea, he chose four of them. The selections, again, were based on the biggest events that made the country and were skewed towards the early, most foundational years. The only one that really was, you know, again, first, third, 16th, and 26th out of 30th. So Teddy in there, you know, a little later in the game, certainly when it was actually made, but it was definitely skewed towards kind of the early founding people. Yes, they were all great presidents, but it wasn't specifically about them being the best. So there is a greatness standard that was met by these four people for, you know, having successful success during these massive moments in our country's history, but it doesn't necessarily mean they were the best. That's just kind of like a little part of it or a correlation, if you will. So that's what Mount Rushmore actually is. So when you ask someone who's your Mount Rushmore, you shouldn't be asking who's the best ever. You should be asking who's the most foundational, who's the most important, who built this thing, who can we give the most credit for representing the most important events in the history of X. So criteria for a challenge Mount Rushmore might look something like this. Who was foundational to creating the challenge franchise? Who was overseeing the show, aka the face of the franchise, during its pivotal moments stretches, transitions, whose impact and decisions shaped the show the most, who also did, because it is a corollary, reach a standard of greatness that the others wanted to emulate them down the road, became someone who someone looked at and said, I want to be the new blank. Those are kind of the criteria that start bouncing around in my head when I'm thinking of who is an actual challenge route Rushmore, who are the important figures, who was there during all of the most important moments of the show, who shepherded the show into what it became, who's foundational to it. You get it by now. I've done a long rant about what I think this question actually means. I think you've got it. So with that criteria in mind for what a challenge Mount Rushmore is, again, who is foundational to creating the Challenge franchise, who is overseeing the show during its pivotal moments, stretches, transitions, whose impact and decision shaped the show the most, and who reached the standard of greatness that others wanted to emulate. Those are kind of the ideas percolating in my head and then also putting a uh, an onus on the earliest days of the show. Our franchise, our beloved franchise, you know, we're season 39 just left for filming today. We'll actually probably do a 39 cast reaction next week. That very well may be next week's episode once it's 100, 100% finalized today or tomorrow and you know people have actually entered the game um, but we're in season 39 there we've got four seasons of all-stars we've got you know however many spin-offs x y and z we've got like upwards of 50 seasons of this thing we've got hundreds and hundreds of cast members so there is a version of this that could be like across all 50 years but i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of think of it like this you know uh our guy borglum uh, which I believe his name was. I can't even remember now. Uh, a little minute, two minutes later. Borglum, our guy Gutson, 
Guts and Borglum. You know, he made it when there was 30 presidents-ish about is when the idea came about, and he started building it. Uh, and so, you know, that's uh, two-thirds of the way through. So out of the 40 seasons we've got, maybe we look at the first 30. But really, our focus is on, like, those first 10 to first 20 is where I'm really focused on, like, laying the foundation for what this show was, what the franchise became, all the changes it had. So that will definitely play a role here. And with that, we now know, you now know, what – you should be asking when we say, what is, who is your Mount Rushmore? You should know the criteria for who would be on a challenge Mount Rushmore. Now, we will name our official challenge Mount Rushmore. Not one, but two, because uh, we'll get to the reason there's kind of a second, more extended version when we get to it. But first, we're going to do the real thing. So the challenge Mount Rushmore, here we go. We're only picking four. To start, we're only going to pick four, the official challenge historian, challenge Mount Rushmore. It's a little harder than it would have been to pick the four presidents out of like 30. I got to say, because there's hundreds of cast members. I mean, season five of the show has 32 cast members, has more people to pick from in one single season than than, you know, our guy Borglum had to pick from of presence. So it's a little harder. It should probably be more than four. Maybe by the end of this podcast, it will be more than four. But we do need to do an official true Four-person challenge Mount Rushmore. So here we go. And I'm going to try my best to match each of these four people who I have selected to one of the four people who's actually on the real Mount Rushmore, one of the the the, the four presidents that's up there and kind of the spirit they embody, the again, birth, growth, development, perseverance, preservation, preservation. That's what we were saying. Um, we're going to try to match. Some of them work better than others. I'll just admit that up front. So without further ado, here we go. Challenge Mount Rushmore. Spot number one, the George Washington spot, the most prominent spot. There is only one choice. There's a lot. There's a lot of people we could debate, but there's only one choice, and that is the godfather, Mark Long. Let's run through why. Mark Long, first ever season of The Road Rules, obviously Road Rules in Real World, made the challenge after the fact. So first Road Rules season, debut guy, star of the first Road Rules. That matters a lot. He's on the, He's one of the stars, if not the star of the cast of the second season of the challenge, which at the time was considered the first season of the challenge. It's the first one to be called a challenge. And he is, if you go back and listen to the rewatch podcast about that season, he is the leader of that cast. Like he's the one they all look to immediately, even back way back then in 1999 as like, this guy's kind of in charge of both teams, more or less. Like he's, he's the guy they all look to when someone has to say something to one of the celebrity guest hosts, anything like that. Like he's, he's the one they look to. He then hosts season five. He then hosts reunion shows throughout the tens and teens. He does four other seasons after that spread out, always an impact cast member, great selection and the end of coming back for first duel two and then back. Battle, uh, the, uh, Battle of the X's, fantastic selection as far as seasons he came back to join to still sprinkle in throughout the history of the show. And then, of course, the what puts him over the top is more recently he has brought us All-Stars. He is the reason we, the fans as well, along with him, but we took his signal and ran with it, and then he took our our overwhelming support and ran with that to some Buna Murray production offices and got us Challenge All-Stars. He is the godfather of the show. It is impossible to put anyone else in the most prominent spot other than Mark Long. The birth of the show, the George Washington archetype here, we got to go with Mark. Now, there it was a no-doubt selection, but there were some others that could be considered for this spot in theory. An Eric Neese, who also had similar to Mark, had 
the same beginning that Mark had with the Challenge franchise of first real-world season, debut season of the Challenge, Road Rules All-Stars, comes back and hosts with Mark on season five, does a couple more season, gets a win, the whole thing. Cyrus could be considered for this spot. John Brennan could be considered for this spot. Both of those two had roles within the, like, the actual ideation for this show. Cyrus was on the Real World cast that went and did the event with the Road Rules where the first time a Road Rules and Real World cast got together. John Brennan famously got picked up and driven across the country on a season of real world kind of inspiring the idea of what if we put real worlders in the road rules bus that whole thing so those three have kind of a say for this spot but they ultimately don't come close to matching mark the godfather so that's spot one spot number two has to go to veronica veronica the original face of the franchise she will be she will fill the thomas jefferson spot aka the growth spot she's the original face of the franchise she starts with season three where she's the near mvp loses out to tech which is a respectable mvp loss if there ever was a respectable mvp loss but then she's back on season five, the first season they had returning cast members. And she's not just back on season five. She's back on season five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Seven of the first ten seasons, the face of the show. As early as season six, she's like the one in the cast being like, well, I have done this more than everyone else. And then by season seven, it's like, oh, you're doing your second one? That's cute. I've done my doing my fourth one. And then by season ten, it's like, wait a minute, you've been on seven of these? This is my third. I thought I was like doing a bunch of them. You've done seven? And she's just she's the og vet from day one the first one she's the face of the franchise she was just it like she was such a star she was the first person that was a true challenge star in my mind she was a star on her road rule season because that season's epic i've done this i've done this discussion before but then she became the first person who she it was like yeah we liked her over there but like she's a star of this show and like specifically thought of with the challenge she then had to be brought back for the trilogy 30, 31, 32, because it was just the most obvious and necessary OG female to get to bring back for that what they were doing with that trilogy. Then on All-Stars, she was as big of a get as anyone when she entered in season two or season three, whichever one that was. Um, it was as big as anyone entering the house, and that was for a reason and a deserved reason. She's one of three women that has three wins. She's tied for the most in female history with three wins. She's there for the first ever house season, for the first ever elimination seasons. She's there for a season where Mark and Eric hosted, where Johnny Mosley hosted, where Dave Mira hosted, where TJ Lavin is hosted. She's been there for all of it. I believe I could probably argue she is the most important cast member in Challenge history for strictly on the camera stuff like on the camera cast member mark would maybe win you know if we opened it up to like off camera stuff because again all of the hosting reunion seasons now the production stuff for all stars all of that maybe mark would win that argument but if we're talking strictly just cast member she may is easily arguably as important as anyone else in the history of the show and she was the first one of those people to come along alongside a mark long original face of the franchise she was there for the growth the you know those first 10 seasons are where the show changed every couple of seasons there they tried to figure something out they added the new big layer now we're staying in the house now we're adding eliminations now we're maybe going to be done with the teams thing we're going to try some new formats we're going to try sequels and trilogies but if they don't work we're going to move something else she was there for all of that um she's she's just she's veronica she's I don't think there's anything more to say other than the original face of the franchise. We could have just left it at that, but she is a worthy 
member of the challenge Mount Rushmore and has to be there right next to the Godfather in the number two spot. Now for the third spot and the fourth spot, things get a little harder. I will admit for, you know, the first spot with Mark, it was like, Hey, yeah, Eric Cyrus, John all have a, have a claim to a similar type of role, but you know, it, it just really doesn't stack up to Mark long. Veronica, literally you might've seen, I didn't mention anyone else. You might've heard. I didn't mention anyone. You probably didn't see, but you might've heard. You might've seen if you're watching on YouTube, but you probably heard. I didn't mention anyone else. That spot was undeniably hers. There wasn't even worthwhile to have an honorable mention to fill that role on this challenge Mount Rushmore. For the next two spots, there was a lot more competition. It was a lot more difficult. This is where we really have to decide how much we're going to weight this towards the earlier days of the show versus like the whole breadth of the challenge franchise from 1998 to 2023, 25 years worth of stuff. And I have chosen to weight it much more heavily towards the early part We'll mention some of those honorable mentions who are considered, and then we'll come around to an expanded list here after we've named three and four. But let's name three and four first. And they're a duo. They came into this world as a duo. They should have left as a duo. They kind of left as a duo. But they, they were a duo all along. Power couple that was, it was a platonic power couple if we've ever seen one. Uh, maybe the I have, I've never even thought about that before. Probably the best platonic power couple in the history of ever maybe maybe ever maybe the whole world maybe relationships across the entire world how about that so you might know who i'm talking about by now and once i say one of the names you'll know the other one but we're going to start with the third spot the teddy roosevelt spot aka the development spot and that's got to go to mike the miz which obviously means the fourth one's going to go to coral but act surprised when i say coral's name in a couple minutes mike the miz gets the third spot he proved the show could be a launching pad he was part of the dynamic duo that took the show by storm with Coral, as we said, was the joint face of the franchise during its most pivotal run, that Inferno, Inferno gauntlet era where they really figured things out and they went from what the show had kind of all the different ideas were put together and by the end of that era and by the end of the Miz and Coral's run, the show was what the show was then for basically an extended period and it just slowly but surely turned that sport dial that sport and strategy dial up a tiny tiny bit each season after that but all the big changes that basically happened they they were there for that gestation period where we spit out a final product by the time we were in the mid-teens of the show and they were retiring and going on to other things such as being one of the most famous and successful pro wrestlers of all time mike the miz did that he was the alpha male athlete guy that dated chicks on the show but he also had female friends. He wasn't a total piece of shit to the women on his team or in the house. Not a total piece of shit. He was still a piece of shit occasionally. I would sure some of the women he dated in the show would be like, eh, he's not the best guy to date. But like, yeah, he might not have been the best boyfriend as like a 22-year-old, 21-year-old, 20-year-old. Uh, he turned 21 on his inaugural season. Big moment when he turned 21. Unbelievable. He was always good for the drama. He was good for the personality. He was a competitor. Drama, romance, character growth, authentic. Even though he was playing an absurd wrestling character half of the time, sometimes more than half the time, he was also like one of the most authentic and vulnerable people the show had ever had. All around, that's about the most awesome, and I use awesome specifically for Mike The Miz, awesome reality star that you could get. He also had two wins, four finals, and five seasons. He was the leader of every team he was on, sometimes much to his chagrin as he didn't want to be the de facto leader. 
he's got to be on here. He's got to be on here. If anyone developed this show or was there to oversee the development and kind of embodied the development of what the show was around season five when he entered the first ever season in the house to what it was by the time he left the show, uh, uh, you know, a handful of seasons later. It definitely, he was as big a part of that development. He embodied all of the good aspects of everything they were trying to do, all the changes they were trying to make. He has to be a part of this. Mike the Miz gets the third spot, the Teddy Roosevelt spot. Then, of course, the fourth and final spot has to go to Miz's partner in crime, arguably the brightest star this show has ever known. That would be the one and only Coral. And I know Coral's last name. You probably know Coral's last name. But have you ever said Coral's last name out loud? No, you haven't because she's that big of a star. I mean, how many reality stars from the early 2000s ended up being one-name people, one-name celebs? Like, we reserve that for the best of the best in pop culture. Like, the most important, most famous, most successful, most loved people get single names. And Coral is. Coral's single-name type of person She stole the show every season she was on. She followed in Veronica's footsteps to be as big a star as the show had while also being a female when they were not actively getting as much love as the male cast members. It just is the honest truth of the early, I mean, a long, a lot. Who knows when that actually kind of the tides turned on the history of the show. We're not going to get into that debate today. Uh, That will be a depressing episode if we ever do an episode on that. But certainly during Coral's time, the men were highlighted much more than the women. And she broke through that and then some to be like, no, 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 no. No, I'm the star. I'm the star here. I'm, I'm authentic. I am myself. I'm not trying overly hard to do any of this. I'm not being someone I'm not. I am just Coral, and I am the fucking star of this show. And everyone loves me or occasionally loves to hate her. But she was like one of those people who's like, yes, she's polarizing because there's like 1% that hates her. Most polarizing figures, it's like 50-50. She's like, no, 99%. For some reason, there's 1% losers who don't understand and don't like it. I don't understand them at all. She's the best, biggest star we've maybe ever had. She made four finals. She won one. Um, so she had the greatness part covered. She was on Battle of the Seasons, Gauntlet, Inferno, and Fresh Meat. So pivotal seasons as there possibly were, again, like some of these others of the first season in house, the first season with eliminations, the inf- being on the first Inferno mattered a lot. Maybe one of the best, maybe the best cast ever. Um, and then being on Fresh Meat mattered a lot as that was a big transitional moment for the show. And she talked back to CT. No one did that. No one. A couple guys. One one shout out Adam. Adam did. Uh, that didn't end so well for him. Um, thankfully, it ended better for Coral when she did it. But she was the type of person who could put CT, of all people, in his place. She's in the running for having the most – not in the running. She has the most memorable quote in the history of the show. She's in the running for one of multiple different runnings for the most memorable moments in the entire franchise. She would be – I don't have to do the poll. I don't have to ask the question to the entire fandom. She's the number one draft pick for who do you want on All-Stars. You can only pick one person, one OG – To put on All-Stars, they have to do it. They say yes. They love it. They're excited about it. Who's the pick? Overwhelming winner would be Coral if we did that poll live across all of fandom. And every single person who ever ever watched the challenge voted. Coral would win in a landslide. I am confident of it. She is just all-time. And, uh, and yeah, uh, there's nothing more to say. So Coral takes the Lincoln, the preservation spot. And this one's a little harder to tie together. But I will say, again, back to that... And, you know, Veronica is the original face of the show. 
and then they slowly but surely start to kind of, the women start to get treated a little bit different than the men do. And Coral is the one who kind of breaks through that and holds the line a little bit to allow this like, no, 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 no. Uh, I see what the fuck's going on from production, from other cast members, from everyone here. I'm not going to put up with it. I am going to speak about it. I'm going to talk about it, especially Coral reunion. Coral is like one of the greatest things in challenge history period. Uh, and she really preserved a lot of the greatness of the show. And, you know, as much as once she left and the Miz left, we do slide into what I, you know, often call that kind of darker period where things got real ugly for a couple seasons. Even if the seasons had really interesting things about them and were ultimately decent to good seasons, had some really ugly shit going on. Also had just a couple complete stinkers of seasons in there. The moment she left, it like fell apart a little bit and they almost had to build it back up. And so that just shows like what she was doing to really through all of that change, as much as Miz embodied the development of everything, he was the best part of all this new stuff they were trying to do, the way they were trying to take the show. Cora was the one who was like repping for the OGs, who was just being like, I'm just a bona fide star. So like, you need me, you need to preserve that within the show. I'm really reaching here at this point, but you get it. Coral's fourth, Miz is third, Veronica's second, Mark is first. Those are your challenge Mount Rushmore? I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to hire a designer if there's any designers listening and want to make me a very cool graphic. Maybe I'll finally learn some new funky AI tools, make a challenge Mount Rushmore graphic with these four wonderful, beautiful people on it. But Mark Long, Veronica, Ms. Coral, that is your challenge Mount Rushmore. But wait, hold on. I said that that third and fourth spot were really, really tough to give out. I said that, you know, I, while Miz and Coral, I, I do think, I don't even know that I'm just valuing the early seasons the most. I just really think in my heart of hearts, those are the four that would be on my challenge Mount Rushmore. I understand that there would be a, a good handful of names, male, female, both that uh, you could throw at me in the comments or hit me up on Instagram and be like, whoa, 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 whoa this person's not on it. You've got to be kidding me. Like people that were there for the most pivotal moments. Like, what are you doing? Like those four were kind of around in the similar era. You pretty much went with like first 10 seasons to 10 to 15 seasons. And then a couple of them came back later on down the line and then back on all stars and whatnot. I did. And so that's why I'm going to go bigger right now, because as I started the whole thing with, it's a really hard when you're doing four out of hundreds versus four out of 30, like our guy Borglum. Uh, did I get the name right? Scroll back up on my notes here. Borglum. Borglum. That's my guy. Gutson. 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 Borglum. Yeah, Gutson. Borglum. That's my guy. It was a little easier for him to pick. Um, and so in the honor of the fact that there was hundreds of people to pick from and there was a big honorable mention list. I didn't even, I stopped short of saying the honorable mention list for Miz and Coral because I didn't want to give away this next part. What if we doubled it? What if we doubled it? Because again, four out of hundred, not the same as four out of 30. Now 46, but 30-ish at the time. So let's make it eight. Let's make it eight, which is still eight out of hundreds. It's still not, a, we could honestly, maybe one day, Maybe when I run out of ideas two weeks from now of what to do on these Friday podcasts, maybe I'll do Mount Rushmore supersize me and we'll go like 20 deep or 30 deep or something because we definitely could. There's a lot of people who deserve mention. I'm going to try to mention a few of them here in this segment, but we're just we're going to hold ourselves to doubling it to eight. We're going to stick with the true challenge Mount Rushmore is the four people we've said, Mark, Veronica, Ms. Coral. They obviously still make the then version that would have eight. But if I doubled it to eight, I gave four more spots out. Who would those four spots go to? And I'm thinking a little more, not necessarily that the like 
OGs are out because they're already represented, but trying to add in some of the obvious names that, you know, are there for the, the lifespan of this entire franchise. So let's see who we've got here. And then also maybe mention some alternates that would, you know, like if we built the challenge Mount Rushmore, maybe on a plaque somewhere saying like, oh, these people were considered, but they didn't quite make it. So Mark, Veronica, Ms. Coral all still make it. Those four are up there. They're already on our big hypothetical rock wall. Let's pick two more guys. Let's pick two more ladies. Okay. Let's start with the guys. This is pretty tough. There's three obvious names uh, that all fit the bill that make perfect sense. And I've got to choose two of them. And then there is, I've got another six just off the top of my head down after that, that are also honorable mention that are really tough cuts, but I'm going to go first with CT. I think this should be obvious. Uh, He's the most famous character, maybe in the history of reality television. That's probably not true because the challenge doesn't do the numbers that, you know, like a Bravo show does. I'm sure a housewife out there or right now, present day with 4 million plus people watching Scandaval, Vanderpump Rules finale. Uh, you know, some others are maybe more famous, but I remember a couple of years back, The Ringer, one of my favorite, my favorite website, not one of my favorite website, pop culture and sports website, did a bracket of greatest reality characters ever, CT1 in a landslide. Um, you know, he he's integral to this show. Uh, he's had all the highs, all the lows. Some of the most important events in the show are just things that happened to him. People he punched, him being welcomed back on cutthroat, easing him in by doing the bananas backpack. And they're like, well, fuck, that just happened. We've obviously got to put them back in. He's went, won so many times. He's considered the GOAT by many. In my mind, probably second. So he's got the greatness thing obviously covered. The great love story, DM and CT, a story for the ages. All of it. And he's been there through the whole thing, you know, debuts uh, back season seven or season eight, I believe, uh, all the way till he's on the most recent seasons. So obviously CT was a pretty slam dunk home run. And then there's one other spot as far as the males go. And it's not Johnny Bananas. It could be Johnny Bananas. It maybe should be Johnny Bananas. It's hard to argue that he hasn't been integral, whether you like it or not, to the development of the show, to the growth of the show, to the changes the show made. The face of the franchise ran this shit during the show's most epic run, the 20s of the show, the Rivals era, if you will. He was running it. But ultimately, the thing that kind of loses the argument for him versus the person we're going to place in there is he was, when he came up into the show, picking up a lot on kind of what Evan and Kenny had going on. And, you know, the three of them became buds. They kind of did everything together there for those early seasons of Bananas. And so I feel like a lot of the changes as far as, like, the pranking, the humor, the running into the house, like a bunch of different stuff was kind of things they started and then he joined in them and then obviously carried on that and started doing his own things. Again, He he's very much easily could be this other person, but I'm not – going to go with him. I'm going to go with Wes. I'm going to go with Wes because one, uh, a bunch of reasons, a bunch of reasons Wes can be. He's, he's obviously a somewhat obvious pick. I think Wes, he was there, his debut seat or not debut, but debut season was, you know, super memorable. And for sometimes all the wrong reasons and otherwise all the right reasons on fresh meat, the five elimination wins, treating his partner like shit. Um, the Austin cast coming in being hated right away. That was like a big thing. Like they became the first ever cast that when they came in, it was like, no, fuck this new rookie class. We don't like the Austin folks. They're cocky, whatever. We don't like them. They're going out. They're targeted. Wes overcame that. He wins the first individual season. 
He wins with CTs on CTs. First ever win. He's rivals with all the other big names throughout the history of basically the show. Darrell, CT, Bananas, eventually, you know, any uh, so many different people throughout the whole thing. Um, he's on Fresh Meat 2. He's, I mean, he's on a lot of seasons. I'm just starting to name some things now. But then he also becomes the guy that's like, I am doing this dual, like, doing all this stuff off the show, but still doing the show and keeping them completely separate and having this huge character arc where he becomes a completely different person a couple different times within the history of the show. And nowadays is the guy I call like, you know, along with bananas to be fair, but the most, the professional at this, he knows what he's doing. He makes a good product. He knows how to lean in to different things and what have you. And so I just give him a little bit of the edge. I'm going with CT and Wes as my secondary or my third and fourth male spots. If I were to extend my Mount Rushmore out to eight honorable mention, we mentioned Eric, John and Cyrus before with Mark, they would be on the honorable mention list as would Darrell Landon and Abram. I think we're also all three really tough cuts really could make some arguments for why they should be included. And definitely if we blew this out to like 20 people or whatever, we would probably get them on there pretty quickly those would be the the men that would need to be mentioned. But CT and West join Mark, Veronica, Miz, and Coral, which means we got two spots left for two ladies. Who will they be? Now, I'm going to tell you who they're not going to be first. Anissa, Rachel, Susie, Sarah, Laurel, and Tina. All of them have some arguments for them. Tough cuts. They, they don't quite make the cut. The long list they made. The shorter the list got, the more it became, mm, I think we're going to cut each one for each reason. Anissa was maybe the hardest cut because she kind of has the thing. She's the only female that has the thing that CT West and Bananas has of like, you realize how many seasons I've done for how long, like the stretch of time, the span that I cover here. But I think Vanessa, and I mean this in a very positive, glowing, complimentary way, she was never the driver of the car, the the franchise, if you will. She was she was sometimes a backseat passenger. She was sometimes a front seat co-pilot passenger. She was always relevant. She was always making a mark every season, but she was never like the face face of the show. She was deservingly like perfect role. She was a very very prevalent in the challenge, the the documentary series thing they did on MTV on a year or so ago. Whenever they did that. Made perfect sense. She's one of the great narrators of the show. She is herself a historian of the show. She comes very, very close, and I could argue probably maybe should be up there. Doesn't quite get there. She's probably the the last cut of those tough cuts of, again, Anissa, Rachel, Susie, Sarah, Laurel, Tina. But I'm going with two women. The first one is Cara Maria, which I would assume makes perfect sense to anyone listening. Uh, one of the great arcs in reality show history, reality competition show history from where she started on Fresh Meat 2 with Darrell going out first, not having any interest in competition or sports or anything, being kind of the quote-unquote weird kid that no one liked as much or what have you to slowly but surely you know, making friends out of enemies uh, to battle new enemies with uh, over, you know, winning over everyone in the fan base over the time, becoming absolutely beloved, becoming an athlete, finding her voice, finding her, you know, just all of her power and eventually becoming arguably the best that's ever done it on the women's side. 
and winning the first ever individual win on vendettas. And, you know, obviously me and everyone else has been clamoring for her to come back to the show, to be invited back, not to come back, to be invited back. She finally was for All-Stars 4. Maybe we'll see it. Maybe we won't. Who knows? I don't have no idea what the fuck's going on with that season at this point. But Cara Maria was there for a bunch of inflection points. She was kind of the story of the show, really. One, of, If there was you know two or three stories, overarching stories, over the last 15 to 20 seasons of the show, like the 20s and 30s, Cara was it. She was the face. She was the one when they first put this thing on streaming. It was her face for a good reason. Deservedly, her face has to be on Mount Rushmore as well. And then the final spot, and this is the one I think is going to be the most, like, people are going to be like, you got to be kidding me. Wait a minute. Anissa, Rachel, Sarah, Susie, Laurel, someone someone else. Uh, this doesn't make sense. But I'm going to tell you it makes exact perfect sense, and it's deserved, and it's the right choice, and that is Paula. Paula is the final spot on this supersized Mount Rushmore out to eight people for many reasons. One, she fucking kicked ass at the show, and that goes – under underrated and that is a little part of it. it is not the actual criteria here but it is a small correlation and part of it she kicked ass at this show and she developed with it she didn't kick ass her first season she wanted to be there she was having a great time she was a competitor but she didn't kick ass she made herself into a kick-ass competitor by the end and winning those back-to-back rivals when it's always Always goes unsaid. It's always like, oh, well, Evelyn won. Like, Paula had Evelyn, and that was great, so she won. Then she had Emily, so they won. It was like, no, Evelyn had Paula, and Emily had Paula. And they were, on both seasons, arguably the two best females there. Okay? Paula was just as good as them and helped just as much. And so that always goes under the radar. But she was the one who became the female face of the franchise after the Veronica and the and Coral are out of there. Through that dreaded teens, she and then Sarah, who was a tough cut again here, are kind of the faces of having to deal with the worst of the bullshit. Throw Evelyn in there as well. She could have been on that honorable mention list. Probably should have been. We'll just put her on right now. Uh, but really, you know, and I, now I'm just like, I'm going to start naming all the names. Kellyanne also, you know, to be fair, had to deal with a lot of the bullshit. But Paula, more than anyone, went through... Yes, she was friends with some of the people uh, perpetrating the bullshit, um, but she then was on the receiving end of a lot of it. She, you know, came out the other side of it. She has, you know, a a pretty wild story of, you know, what this show did to her to kind of as one of the examples of maybe this wasn't a good environment to be putting people through. And maybe we should have been doing things a lot, lot differently and slowly but surely now way retroactively later, we're doing things a little bit better as far as how these people are treated in the house and the support they're given that and all those kinds of things. She's a wonderful person. She's amazing competitor. She was there through that difficult time and then into the best era ever the rivals era you know winning rivals one and two and yeah i just feel like she she was the female face of the show there for a basically the the 10 season run where she was on most of those seasons it was her like it was her story is her versus anisa was a big story all of it so paula's on it you can debate me all you want but that's who i'm got so the official, official, official Mount Rushmore is, again, Mark, Veronica, Miz, and Coral. If we blow that out to an eight-person, we're going Mark, Veronica, Miz, Coral, CT, Paula, Wes, Cara, Maria, respectfully to Eric, John, Cyrus, Darrell, Landon, Abram, Anissa, Rachel, Susie, Sarah, Evelyn, Laurel, Tina, respectfully tough cuts to you. But those are your eight. Those are your four. That is your challenge, Mount Rushmore. And that's it. We've done it. So now 
You're all educated. You know if someone says to you, hey, who's your Mount Rushmore of this? What's your Mount Rushmore TV shows? Mount Rushmore of basketball? Challenge Mount Rushmore. You could say back to him, well, if you want to know who I think the best ever is, we can discuss that. But if you want to know what Challenge Mount Rushmore should actually mean and who should be on it, now you can have that discussion. You'll either be loved or hated. Some people, when I bring this up, are like, wow, that's fascinating. You, probably you, you're still listening to this podcast at the very end. Other people are like, all right, fuck out of here trying to be smart or whatever. But I stand by it. I believe this so much. It's one of it's one of my things. It's one of the things I, I love. It is a conversation starter. I bring this up all the time. I love when someone mentions a Mount Rushmore or something, and I could be like, hey, 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 have you ever actually thought about if that's a good analogy? And if you did the right analogy, what that would mean and how interesting and more fun of a question that is to answer. Well, we just did all of it here today on this podcast. So thanks for being here and listening. If you have feedback, if you think I had all the wrong choices, let me know, as always, at Challenge Historian on Instagram. DM me, hit me up. I've had a lot of people in the last couple of weeks start to actually uh, a lot more than normal. Thankfully, there's a few of you that always, always chime in, and I appreciate it every time, but a lot more. And it's always the same thing. Everyone sends and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you responded. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just like a lowly guy talking about the challenge on a podcast. Of course, I responded. I ask you every week to reach out and talk about this stuff with me. So I will respond almost inevitably, unless you just talk a bunch of shit. And then I'll be like, eh, maybe not. Maybe I don't need that in my life today. So let me know what you think. If I got anything wrong, if someone else should have made the cut, and also let me know what you think, what topics you would want covered other than who is the best ever. We will eventually do who's the best ever. We'll do a full-blown Bananas vs. CT episode, Bananas vs. CT vs. Jordan episode even, um, you know, whatever. But anything you'd want to know, DM me on IG. Let me know. I'll do it. If it's a good idea, I'll do it. If I don't have an idea for next week and you present even a half-decent idea, I'll do it. I'm going to really try for an episode every Friday all off-season. So, We'll see what I come up with, but if you guys give the ideas, then it'll make it easier for me. It'll make it more fun for you to listen to, so it's a win-win all the way around, as I said at the beginning of this podcast. So with that, I love you so much. I thank you so much. I will miss you over this next week until we talk again, although we will be back. We kind of do know what next week will be. Uh, the Challenge 39, they started shooting today, um, today or tomorrow. Maybe they're in quarantine, whatever. I, I forget, but I saw the initial list yesterday of who went, who got on the plane. Once we have the list of who entered the game, the for sure, for sure, I'll cut the spoilers off. I don't want to know anything after that, but we will do a cast reaction. So that'll be next week. Um, that might be on when? No, we'll just do it on Friday. That'll be next week's episode. So Friday, season 39, cast reaction. Mark your calendars, hit follow, hit subscribe, wherever you may be listening or watching, and you won't miss a thing. Thank you so much. Love to you. Appreciate you. Talk again soon. Peace.